Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. The weeks are flying by, and we're making tracks through the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshis. And this week's Parsha, Parsha's Toldos, is continuing the story of our forefathers, of Isaac, of Jacob. And before we begin, as always, if you have any questions, comments, would like to say hello, to introduce yourself, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So as I mentioned before, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Toldos. And just to give a quick overview of the weekly Torah portion, the Parsha begins with Yitzchak, Isaac, bringing in Rebecca Rivka into his house, taking her as a wife. And the Torah tells us that Rebecca and Isaac, they did not have any children. And they pray to God. Rivka becomes pregnant. And inside of her, she feels this funny feeling. That the children inside of her are they're jumping around. Rivka is not sure what to make of the situation of the tremendous birth pain she's having. Every time she passes a synagogue, the baby kicks. And when she passes a house of idol worship, the baby kicks as well. So she goes to the house of shame. And shame, who's a prophet, tells her that there's going to be two children that are going to be born from her. And one is going to rule over the other, meaning that only one could be great at a time. Rivka bears the term and gives birth to two boys. The first child is hairy. He's red. He's named Asaph. And the second child comes out holding onto the heel of his brother. Hence, his name is Yaakov. As the boys get older, the personalities become recognizable. They become a little bit different. Asaph is a ruffian a hunter, a man of the field. Yaakov is wholesome. He, he, is, he sits in tents, which the commentaries tell us means he studies Torah. He's righteous. And the Parsha tells us the story how Esav sells to Yaakov the right of the firstborn. Avram, Yitzchak's father, passes away. Yaakov is cooking a stew for his father Yitzchak, the traditional morning food of Lentils, Esav comes in famished and demands to be fed. Yaakov sells, Yaakov sells the pot of lentils to Esav in exchange for the rights of the firstborn. The Pasha continues with a famine hitting the land and Yitzchak being forced to relocate to the land of Gerar, where he has to hide the fact that Rivka is his wife. The Torah tells us of a treaty that Yitzchak makes with the king of Gerar, Avimelech, as well as the episode of the wells. The Parsha finishes with most probably the highlight of this Torah portion, which is Yaakov, quote-unquote, stealing the blessings from Esav. Yitzchak's getting older, and he realizes that his time is coming near to pass on, and he decides he wants to bless his firstborn son, Esav. Yitzchak was under the impression that Esav was righteous. It was hidden from him that Esav was not truly deserving of the blessings. Rivka, the wife of Yitzchak, who knows who Esav really is, recognizes the 
the problem of Esau getting the blessings and tells her son Yaakov, who is truly righteous and deserving of the blessings, to go to his father Yitzchak in a coat to get to act as Esau, to pretend that he's Esau, to get the blessings of the firstborn, which he is deserving of. Esau comes back from the field. Yitzchak has a tremendous fear that he realizes what has happened. He sees that Yaakov took the blessings, but realizes that it is proper that what happened, that, Ye- that Esau was not deserving of the blessings, and it was Yaakov who was really the one who was rightly to be blessed. Esau is tremendously upset and resolves within himself after his father passes to kill his brother Yaakov. The first idea I wanted to share with you today takes us to the beginning of the Parsha, where the Torah tells us how Yitzchak and Rivka were both barren. They didn't have children. And the Pasuk reads, Vayetar Yitzchak la'ashem l'noichach ishtoi ki akorohi vayeser loi Hashem vatar Rivka ishtoi. Isaac entreated Hashem opposite his wife because she was barren. Hashem allowed himself to be entreated by him and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. So the Mepharshim, the commentaries tell us that when the Torah tells us that Yitzchak prayed opposite his wife, it means that Yitzchak prayed and Rivka, his wife, also prayed. But if you look at the end of the verse where it says that Rivka conceived, what does it say before that? It says, Vayetar loy Hashem vatar Rivka ishtoi. The loose translation of the verse is that Hashem listened to his prayers and Rivka, Rebecca, conceived. Rashi explains, Vayetarlo, and he listened to Yitzchak's prayers, but he, he was entreated by the prayers of Isaac. Loi v'loila, his prayers are not her. She'ein doimet tefilas tzadik ben rasha tefilas tzadik ben tzadik. Because the prayer of a, of a righteous person the son or daughter of a wicked person is not comparable to the prayer of a righteous person, the son of another righteous person. Therefore, Hashem listened to Yitzchak's prayers and not to, to Rivka's prayers. So what this means is, is that both Yitzchak and Rivka were praying. But the prayers of Yitzchak were more powerful because Yitzchak was the son of Avraham. He was the son of another righteous person. He was a righteous person, the son of a righteous person. But Rivka, her prayers, even though she was righteous, she was the daughter of a wicked person, Besuel. And even though she was righteous, her prayers did not have the same effect as the prayers of her husband. Hence, Yitzchak's prayers were listened to. Now, the first question I want to ask you today is that you would think it should be the other way around. That a person who lives in a household of such a great individual, it's autopilot, right? Yitzchak grew up in the house of Ravram Avinu. All he saw was goodness, and that's what he was trained to do. So what's the big deal that he's righteous? And contrast that with Rivka. Rivka, she was a totally righteous person. And that was despite the fact she grew up with an evil father, an evil brother, and an evil area. She had everything going against her, 
but yet she turned out to be righteous. So why is it that the Torah is putting more of an emphasis on the prayer of a righteous person, the son of a righteous person, versus a prayer of a righteous person, the son of a wicked person? It should seem to be the other way around. Because since somebody who's born from someone who's wicked came to that realization himself, so therefore that prayer should be more powerful. And this is a question which is dealt with in the commentaries. Rashi quotes from the Talmud this this, uh, saying. But one answer which I heard, which can maybe give us a, a lesson for ourselves, is that Rivka, she saw what was going on around her. She saw that her father was evil. Her brother was evil. So it was only natural for her, the good person that she was, to want something better to want something correct. So for her to become righteous was in a way less of an accomplishment than Yitzchak. Because when the Torah says that Yitzchak was a righteous person, the son of a righteous person, it means he was truly righteous. That even though he grew up in the house of Avram Avinu, in the house of Abraham, he still was a self-made person. That he decided himself to be the great person that he was. It wasn't because of the fact that he was in the house of Avram, but that was it was because of his own actions that caused him to be the great person that he was. So since he decided to make himself who he was, so therefore his prayers were more powerful than Rivka, who came from a background where it was only natural to realize that there's something better here, there's something more correct. And just the lesson I believe that we can take out from this is about being authentic, being real. You know, we have a tendency as human beings to imitate. And we especially imitate the people that we're surrounded with. For example, a friend of mine said recently that a person is a product of the five closest people to them. That the way you are is a reflection of the five people that you spend the most time with. And the, the message I believe that we see from this Rashi and from the Torah in this week's Parsha is that a person needs to be real. We have to be authentic. And sometimes it means forging our own path, obviously within the, the confines of the Torah, but to make something of ourselves for ourselves, to not just be an imitator. That even if we have great role models, it's good to have good role models, but we still need to be our own person and in a way forge our own path, not just to do something because we're in a surrounding that everyone does those same actions. Now, peer pressure has its benefits when you're living in a community where everyone goes to show or everyone does something. It sort of pushes a pressure on you to also do a good thing. You know, it could be used in a bad way as well. But the point is that positive peer pressure can be used as a good thing. But in the end of the day, there will be times where you will have to make that decision to go to show when no one else is around or to do that mitzvah when there's no peer pressure. So ultimately, it's up to us to decide who we want to be and how we want to get there. So the lesson that we see from Yitzchak 
is that we can all be a tzaddik ben tzaddik to be a self-made person to make to consciously make the decisions for the things that we do to not just go with the flow because that's what everyone's doing to not just be like the the sheep who follows the shepherd off the cliff but to be a person who thinks about what they do who processes who internalizes so therefore we can be authentic and real second idea i wanted to share with you focuses in on the blessings that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov and subsequently gave to Esav. So as I mentioned before, Yaakov comes into his father dressed up as his brother and gets the blessing of the firstborn. Now the commentaries discuss that why did Yaakov have to do this and how it was rightfully his, these blessings of the firstborn. But either way, but what I want to talk about today is that when Yitzchak gives the blessings to Yaakov, thinking it's Esav, and then when Esav comes back and Yitzchak realizes what happens, Esav begs for a bracha, and his father Esav gives him his own blessing. Now, if you look at the two different blessings, some of them have a striking similarity. The first verse I want to read is that when Yitzchak gives the blessings to Yaakov, he says, And may God give you of the dew of the heavens and of the fatness of the earth and abundant grain and wine. And if you look later on at the blessing that Yitzchak gives to Esav, it's very similar. So Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, of the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and of the dew of the heavens from above. So part of the blessing that Yaakov received and Esav received seemed to be very similar. But Rabbi Tversky points out that there's one major difference between the two verses that tell us about the blessings of Yaakov and Esau. If you look at the blessing of Yaakov, what's listed first? May God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth. But if you look at the blessing of Esau, it's reversed. Behold, of the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling and the dew of the heavens from above. So for Yaakov, it lists the dew of the heavens first and then the fatness of the earth. But for Esau, it lists the fatness of the earth first and then Yitzchak said the dew of the heavens. How do we understand this? So we know Early in the Parsha, when Yaakov comes in to his father Yitzchak, Yitzchak tells Yaakov, come close to me so I could feel you. And he says a line to Yaakov, which epitomizes Yaakov, the descendants of Yaakov, Esav, and the descendants of Esav to this very day. He says, Hakol kol Yaakov v'hayidayim yidei Esav. The voice is of Yaakov, but the hands are, are of Esav. 
And what Yitzchak was saying on a simple level is that the person who's speaking sounds like Yaakov. He couldn't see. He was blind. But what I'm feeling, right, Yaakov was wearing a special coat that was very hairy, feels like Esav. Now, the commentaries tell us that there's many deeper meanings to this expression of what Yitzchak meant. But the Gemara in Gittin, the Talmud in, in Gittin, tells us another interpretation. Hakol kol Yaakov. The phrase, the voice, is the voice of Jacob teaches us. Ein lecha she'ein ba mizara Yaakov. That there is no successful prayer in which a descendant of Jacob is not a participant. And when the Torah tells us, but the hands are hands of Esav, what does that teach us? That there's no victorious military campaign in which a descendant of Esav is not a participant. Now, there's different explanations of this Gemara, but the idea I want to bring home here, which ties into the, to the question that I'm bringing about, about the blessings, Yitzchak was making a statement that Yaakov's power is in his voice and Esav's power is in his hands. And this is a very important idea that we need to internalize, especially during these days, that the Jewish people, our first and foremost answer to challenges and problems is prayer. Obviously, we need to deal with realities and and protect ourselves, but we have to realize that our real secret weapon is our mouths, is our prayer. And it's only the hands, when we talk about military might, that's the trait of Esav. Sure, it's incumbent upon us to actually do the, the fighting, the act of fighting, to have an army, but our real success, our real power is in our voice, is in the prayer, is in Torah learning. And that's what Yitzchak is stating when he says, Akol kol Yaakov Esav. That the voice is the voice of Yaakov and the hands are the hands of Esav. The way this answers our question of why it says the dew of the heavens and the fatness of the earth first by Yaakov, but by Esav it switches it around, fatness of the earth and then dew of the heavens, is really reiterating this powerful idea that the priority for Yaakov is the spiritual. The dew of the heavens are being given over to you. And then the fatness of the earth, because the fatness of the earth is not a it's not an end, it's a means to get to that spirituality, to harness the physical for the spiritual. But for Asaph, it's the other way around. It's first the physical and then the dew of the heavens. Because Asaph, that's his priority, that's his modus operandi, that's his, his end. And this ties into the idea of that the voice is the voice of Yaakov and the hands are the hands of Esau because our power and our focus and our mission is a spiritual mission. And if our mission is a spiritual mission, that we're, we're here to prioritize the spiritual, so then our strength is in the spiritual. So especially in a situation in, when the world's in turmoil, when the Jewish people are threatened, we need to turn to our voices, to turn to Hashem, to speak in prayer, to pour out the depths of our heart to Hashem for safety, for salvation, for protection. And when we do that, we ultimately will be successful. And that's the message here that Yitzchak was stressing in the blessings 
to Yaakov that keeping the focus on the spiritual, because we need the physical to achieve the spiritual, but if we lose focus, so then we just become base, mundane, and the pleasures of the earth become an ends and not a means. So we need to keep that focus and remember that our true mission is the spiritual. And the weapons that we have in our, our armory to achieve that goal are the spiritual, is the Torah, the mitzvos, is prayer that we have. And God willing, when we use these tools properly and do the proper hishtadlus, God willing, Hashem will help us be victorious. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlamakon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.